even for reading our scripture. First Peter may not be a typical Christmas uh, passage to have read, but I hope you've heard this line. Try, try again? Okay. Thank you. Suddenly, the microphone works. Suddenly, life happens, right? In Kodiak, Ryan and I have been here about a year and a half. We have come to notice that there are a lot more suddenlies. Suddenly, there's a tsunami alarm. Suddenly, you're on a hike, and there's a bear. Suddenly, you're in your driveway, and there's a bear. <laughs> Suddenly, the weather will change. Am I alone in this? No. But we can choose to be angry and, and doubtful and distrust the environment that we live in, or we can learn to fear God in the midst of our circumstances and have hope that he will use every circumstance to be redeemed, to challenge us, and that we will suffer an affliction even for doing what is right and still give him the glory. That is what it is, to be ready with an answer for the hope that you profess. So we fear God, we hope God, and we tell of God. And how do we do that? I, I think I can do it, thank you. She's, she's fixed it, but we'll just go, suddenly. So how do we do that? I'd like to bring you back to the context of 1 Peter. So Peter is writing to these fledgling little churches all across the Roman Empire. And he says to them, in a matter of words, be encouraged. You are going to suffer for doing what is right. Is their world so far from ours two millennia ago that we would not also begin to suffer for doing what is right day in and day out? But hear these words of encouragement in the first chapter, a living hope. Prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. He says, so that your faith and hope are set on God, the living stone, the living rock. Let him be the rock that you run to. 
continues on talking about being a servant of God, conducting yourself honorably among the Gentiles, the other people in the world around you, so that though they would malign you, they will see your honorable deeds and glorify God. You see, you tell in your actions, you tell in the way that you live your life more than probably what you say. Amen? A lot of us have fears. That's a perfectly natural human. Whether you're rich or poor, young or old, we all have fear. And yet many of us, out of that fear, will allow not to have hope, allow, allow evil and, and things that would constrict us and constrain us from loving one another. And yet God calls us to hope on him instead of our own ability in those circumstances. He says in chapter 3, suffering for doing what is right, which is the bulk of our passage today. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. He continues on to encourage these people. He says, above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. You've heard this before. Above all, love covers a multitude of sins. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. So why the suddenlies in life? Why are we constricted and think, oh, how could this happen to me? How could this happen to her or my family? We've followed the Lord. The fear is that when we follow God, he's not going to pull through, right? But yet, he tells us to hope on him. He is the rock on which we live. Jesus continues to remind us through his birth narrative about how we to follow him and him alone. And I like it best how it says right here in the third chapter, do not fear and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts. Sanctify him, always being ready to make your defense with gentleness and reverence. All right, well, let's get to the nativity story. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor John talk about Mary and Elizabeth, Zechariah. So today I'd like to just remind you about that passage in Luke, the first chapter, when we remember. Let's remember. I'll go over it quickly. There's the fear of God, there's the hope of God, and there's the tell of God. Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Do you think she sensed fear? Do you think the suddenly of life caught her off guard? And she says, 
excuse me, he, the angel said, do not be afraid. Over and over again in this nativity story, that phrase, do not be afraid, comes to us. So here's my question. Why would we fear God when over and over again he sends his angels to say, do not be afraid? Why is that? We have to read 1 Peter to explain it to us when he says, do not fear what they fear. Peter expands for his small churches just like ours to say, do not fear what they fear. Fear me. Fear me. I hold everything in the palm of my hand. And so here's Mary, of course, in fear, having this conversation with the angel. When she replies eventually in verse 38, here am I, she submits to who? Her fear? To her relationship with Joseph? To, to the powers of the culture at that time? No. She fears God and she hopes in God when she says, here am I. So when suddenly happens to you and to me, what is our response? Here am I. How, Lord, will you bring it to pass? How will you glorify yourself in this circumstance, in this way that I could never have planned for, never have comprehended? And some of us are more always ready than others. Amen? Some of us live semper paratus, right? You have a go bag packed for when that tsunami alarm goes off, right? You've got water stored. You have canned goods piled up. I'm winking at my friend. We are a people who sometimes prepare for the worst event. But have you also prepared for the best events? For Christmas, for birthdays. With great joy, we prepare. And that is what God asked us to speak into. Being prepared. Are you ready with an answer for the hope that you profess? by fearing God and hoping in him. My hand's getting tired. So Mary makes this trip to Judea when the angel speaks. In fact, she does it with haste. With haste, the Bible often tells us these urgent, sudden things happen. They waited for 400 years of silence, and the angel has spoken, the Messiah is coming. She goes with haste. Nothing like an alarm to put you in quick motion. But where does she go? Does she go to her next door neighbor? Does she go to her aunt, her mother? She goes to her cousin, 80 miles away. 80 miles. And three months later, after she's been in seclusion with her cousin Elizabeth, she comes back 80 miles to face another moment with Joseph. Because I don't think they were FaceTiming each other. She's facing him. What will he respond? Another moment of fear and of hope that she would return to him suddenly with news that would rock his world. Every one of us could give testimony to moments in your life when your world has been rocked in good and bad. Amen? And how did you respond? with the fear of God, with the hope of God, 
Joseph has news of his own. Suddenly, he has had an appearance by an angel of himself. And what did the angel say? Do not be afraid. And Joseph went suddenly to find Mary because he feared God and he hoped in God. Now, I was discussing this morning that I was great with child about six years ago at Christmas. And it's a special thing to be great with child on Christmas and Advent, I should say. There are several types of women in the world, some who don't want to go 80 steps when they're pregnant. It's just too much, whether for health reasons or otherwise. But Mary makes another trip back up to Bethlehem with Joseph, 80 miles. And I hate to break it to you, but there was no donkey mentioned. So I think she made the trip on foot, 80 miles, in her ninth month. Imagine fearing God, 80 miles on foot, nine months. I won't ask for a show of hands, but who among you would be like, oh, I will take that trip, nine months pregnant. Some women don't even want to drive 80 miles when they're nine months pregnant. So to walk 80 miles. She ran the rock. Have you heard that term here in Kodiak, run the rock? Has anyone done the run the rock race? Yes, my friend came. I told her I was going to talk about this. So every October, there's a, a foot race here called run the rock. Well, Mary ran the rock because it's uphill into the Judean hills. She ran the rock. But as the psalmist said, I must go to the rock that is higher than I am. She feared God and she made that trip. Now, I'll tell you, when I was expecting a child, it was December the 12th, 2012. So 12, 12, 12. And I had it in my mind. I was going to have that baby girl that day. I mean, what better gift? 12, 12, 12, the rest of your life. So I began to walk two miles around our little neighborhood, four miles, six miles. I took a break. I thought, ooh, I feel some contractions. This is good. My husband cheered me. That's good for you, dear. Just keep walking. About six miles, eight miles, nine months pregnant, my friends would say, well, they didn't roll their window. Oh, I'm too old, right? Roll. They just press the button. Are you okay? Is everything okay? Like, are you running away from home here? <laughs> it was a loop, so they just saw me passing by. Even strangers began to say, is everything okay? And I said, I want an announcement. Today is the day I want to be able to announce 12, 12, 12. You see, I feared labor, but I feared not having the announcement more. I feared the end more than I feared the labor and the walking and the journey. In fact, I was hoping that it would speed it along. And that's where our humanness comes in. The fear that we face in the suddenlies is in perspective to the fear that the world faces, to the fear that they face if we don't have something or someone to put our hope into. In the case of a child like Mary Caring or myself, you see the end in view, and so it's worth every moment of fear and of hope. But for those who follow Christ, it's eternity that is the end goal. 
So how do you fear God and hope God without wanting to tell of God? Because he holds eternity, the long view in mind. It's he that waits upon us. It is he that is our glory and our crown for all the suffering that we go through. And first Peter reminds us that we will suffer. We'll suffer for doing what is right, let alone for doing what is wrong. Don't tell your children that, by the way. I didn't tell them that, did I? No, they heard the scripture, they were here. That's good, that's good. We will suffer. Suddenlies happen in life. We all go through periods of pain and anguish. I read this book this month, The Anatomy of Hope by Dr. Groupman, how people prevail in the face of illness. Because the older I get, the more ill people I know, and, and the more I hope that I mature in my Christian walk to face it with hope. And if I may, Dr. Groupman says, pain is a hurdle that prevented patients from working to strengthen their muscles and ligaments. Without hope, nothing could begin. Hope offered a real chance to reach a better end. Hope helps overcome our hurdles that we may otherwise could not scale. And it moves us forward to a place where healing can occur. Pain is a hurdle. It's not the end goal. It's not to get stuck on. Mary showed us that when she ran the rock. It was a hurdle, the first step. What do we say the hardest step is the first step? The Chinese say, a distance of a thousand miles begins with what? The first step. And often that can be a painful first step. So my friend and I ran the rock in October. Without her encouragement, I wouldn't have been there. But yea, though I run through the valley of Bear Valley, I will fear no evil. For why, my friend and my bear spray, they accompany me. That was a painful race. I, I'm not a runner by nature. In fact, when I joined the Air Force, a peers of mine would say, you must really like to run. <laughs> Why do we do the things that we do even when they're painful? Because I had hope that I would be prepared if I needed to run. I had hope that that the, the pain in the present would be worth it because I had the long view. Eternity must always be in view. Knowing Christ is about keeping that eternal perspective, and that's the entirety of the nativity story. These people that, that we meet, most of Luke's account of the nativity is from the female perspective that these women knew from the beginning that the long view was what we had to keep in mind. And miraculously, the angels come to the men and the women and the shepherds and the wise men and every character in the nativity to say, fear God, don't be afraid. Fear God, don't be afraid. Hope in God. I wanted to ask my friend Steve, when, when the helicopter and the Coast Guard is hovering over you and you want to be rescued, some people react with fear, but I'm thinking, you need to be rescued. Why would you fear your rescuer? 
The Coast Guard is rescuing lives so that others may live, right? So that others may live. God rescues our souls. The only permanent part of us is our souls. In the same book on Anatomy of Hope, Dr. Cohen says, soul is fundamentally a metaphysical and religious concept where the divine spark resides. For the agnostic, the soul is in doubt. For the atheist, it is fiction. But for a person of faith, the soul has permanence, while the body, including your brain and mind, does not. The soul has permanence. So we must be ready with an answer for the hope that we profess because one day we will all face suddenly in the life of someone you love or for yourself, most definitely. So be prepared to fear God, to run into the fear. When Ann and I were running the rock, the switchbacks were difficult. There may have been a few minutes that I just walked up 411 feet of elevation. It was like running stairs. But I was committed to it because I knew that coming down, I flew. Because I had hope in that finish line. Hope is the end view. Eternity in view. Richard Halverson said, those who do not fear God end up fearing everything. One more rock to run, Matthew chapter 27. When it was evening, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean cloth, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. He then rolled a great stone to the door of that tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. We don't know that this was Mary, the mother of our Lord. But it doesn't matter. It was you and it was I and it was all the people from generation to generation that Mary wrote about that she said his mercy helps us to fear him from generation to generation, that we sit at the tomb for our sins because we have not feared God above all else. We have taken the easy road we have put some other fear of man or idol before God. And there they sit with us at the rock. But eternity is in view. The first day of the week was dawning and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the rock. They ran the rock just like you and I do. And suddenly... Do you feel the weight of the moment that suddenly there was a great earthquake? For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
I just love that the angel of God who came perhaps to Mary and said, don't be afraid, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Sometimes you just have to sit on the suddenlies, right? His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook like dead men. Let us not for fearing as they fear shake like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here for he has been raised as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Back to Galilee. Back uphill. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. Why do we say joy to the world? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because we have the end in view, that eternity is coming close. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Even while they are holding on to Jesus, he says, do not fear. I am here. And go and tell my brothers. We have all run the rock. Some of us have pain that others couldn't imagine. Perhaps it's been emotional or physical, relational this year. As a church family, we suffer pain together. We go through hurdles of pain together. And I commend you, and I pray that in 2018, we can say that we have cleared that hurdle together. Not ignoring it, but facing it for the hope of God. To have redeemed this experience. To have redeemed relationships in your life and in mine with children or parents who need to hear the hope of God. To be prepared with an answer. If we can't answer the question here, the world out there cannot hear the hope of God. And for us to tell them to know Jesus means that we need to be ready for Jesus every day. And so Jesus says to tell with fear and great joy that he has been raised from the dead. He was, he is, and he will forever be. Our souls have permanence. The divine spark that God has given to us is what we show when we put Christmas Advent lights out, when we light our houses, when we shine the sun in the sky as a light, a divine spark, acknowledging the permanence of our souls. And that's all that we are assured of our souls. Join me in eternity, would you? Would you put your fear in God alone? Would you put your hope in God alone and then tell a hurting world, your neighbor, your parent, remind your children from generation to generation, not just Christmas traditions, 
but of the story of the nativity, running the rock with the long view, eternity, always. Go tell it on the mountain. Here in Kodiak, for the first time, I get to tell it on a mountain, a real mountain. Join me, would you, this Christmas, to tell it on a mountain for all to hear that you are always ready, ready with an answer for the hope that you profess. With respect, with humility, because love covers a multitude of sins. God with us. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for this hour. Thank you for the gift of your scriptures that remind us and open our hearts and our thoughts, turn them back to you. <coughs> Forgive us in our weakness when we have shaken like dead men. Instead of acknowledging the power that you have to pluck us from the ocean that threatens to consume us, Help us to surrender to your holy name, that you are with us. Forgive us, we pray, and free us to live lives that are holy and worthy of you, telling of your goodness and sharing the love that covers a multitude of sins with all. We love you and we praise you, Father. We thank you for sending your son in this season to remind us to be ready always. Amen.